Hey, everybody. Be sure to check out the latest episode of Bad Story Pod with Laura Silverman. It's episode seven. Laura's back, and it features yours truly talking with Laura for about an hour. Um, everything from recovery to mental health to some inside podcast type stuff. Um, it was a terrific conversation. I thoroughly enjoy it, and I think you will too. Um, and also, uh, thanks for continuing to support all the pods on senserightnow.network. Uh, Sean's Sloshed Cinema, Mags' Sober Courage Pod, Mary Killian's How Our Girl, Aaron Perry's uh, The Spoken Joint, and Robert McClellan's Real Sobriety, which is a terrific way um, to get these, it's a five-minute podcast, so you get these these tight um, recovery insights in really five minutes or less, and um, you know it's a great way to get a little bit of recovery pod when you don't have time for a lot of recovery pod. Um, so I thank you for that. And uh, as of this uh, recording, be sure to check out the latest cover and recovery revelations on the recoveryrevolution.online. It's Megan Peters, who's a photographer in recovery in Kansas City. Um, and uh, just very fascinating stuff. And I, I think um, a lot of you may not be super familiar with her. And you'll want to be, I think, after you take a look at her recovery revelations. So um Thanks for reading, thanks for visiting the site, and thanks for listening. Enjoy. The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast. The podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com. With your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Hey, Nancy. Hey there, how are you? I'm good. So I'm back with Jeff. Hi, Nancy. Hi, and, Jeff. And Matt. Hello, Nancy. Hey, Matt. And uh, we've we've confirmed that you met all three of us in uh, <laughs> D.C. We, we at, totally met. I remember meeting you. Okay. No. At, no um, <laughs> I was saying it was such a flurry that it was. night, meeting so many people, and like nobody had our name tags, right? Yeah, so right. Like, Which would yeah. have been a good idea now that you mentioned it. Now that you mentioned hmm. it. Yeah. Well, and not everybody's picture was on their sober blog right so i was following these blogs for months true it was sometimes hard to connect the the face with the name but yeah yeah, most definitely i remember you guys and i remember chris on the panel and and yeah yeah, um yeah yeah and so for anybody that doesn't know we're talking about we were all um i was the super cool one okay sorry (laughs) jeff was the cool one i was the awkward sweaty one (laughs) (laughs) there were a few of those uh, no, I'm kidding. No, we, we met all of uh, our, our sort of, it was a mutual admiration society yep. of a bunch of us that uh, are in the sort of recovery friendly web sphere, at least our little Venn diagram circle of it mm-hmm. um, in uh, DC for, um, what was it called? Unite, Unite Against Addiction. Addiction. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, it was great. And uh, so uh, on the other end of the mic yep. is uh, Nancy Carr, um, and the author of Last Call, your memoir of addiction and recovery, right. and um, also the the blog of the same name, right? Last Call. Yeah, the blog has the same name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so welcome, welcome Nancy, and good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yeah, no, good to Since, talk to uh, you guys. October of last year, yeah. Had you written the book when we met? It's been out for a while. Yeah, so the book, I launched the book um, last February, so February of 2015, and that's kind of when my blog really took off. I had the blog before, but mm-hmm. only wasn't really using it as much because I didn't really have the book to kind of support it. Yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of interesting how it all kind of came together. And, you know, within a month or two, learning about and finding all these other sober bloggers, I had no idea what the universe was like with that out there. And and then the next thing you know, the thing in October came up. And it's just, it's been such a great experience and such a great journey just over the last year and a half or so. So 
yeah, it's that, been awesome. That's cool. When when did you decide to write this? And I I read a little bit about you know visited your site, kind of read your bio and everything. You've got yeah. a wicked good story, obviously, to write a memoir. Like, right. and you know, we're gonna dig into that. But when when did this? Yeah, when did the idea first kind yeah. of take root? Yeah. So you know, it just it wasn't like I sat down and said, oh, I want to write my my memoir or write you know my story. It had nothing like that. So in November of two thousand three. Um, you know, a few months before I got sober, I was keeping a daily journal in my laptop and just, you know, pounding the keys every night, drinking, like bitching and moaning about my life and and how miserable I was. And I just started writing these journal entries. Um, and in May of 2004, I got my second DUI Mm -hmm. and about and, and actually, about six weeks later, I, I walked into an AA meeting because I was nudged by my attorney. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, right? I mean, I had no desire. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever I need to do to get the courts off my back. Yeah. So, and kind of during that time, though, I kept writing in, you know, in my journal. And I started writing a little bit more about my quote-unquote story. And it just kind of evolved into, you know, maybe a year or so after I was sober, I realized I had pretty much, you know, my story and also my story of getting sober. And I met this woman through a writing course that I had taken and uh, she had her own business. She was an editor for a San Diego company. Um, That's where I was living at the time. And anyway, so she met with me and spent a lot of time with me, became my editor, told me, you know, it definitely had legs. She thought it was excellent. She helped me with it for about eight months. Wow. And um, and so it's just kind of evolved from that. And, you know, at least for me, when I was newly sober, I was just, you know, had that pink cloud. I was pretty excited about it. I was happy to tell anybody everything. So (laughs) it's pretty raw. Like if I were Mm -hmm. to write it today, I wouldn't have been so open, honest and raw. (laughs) Right. So I like reread it recently. Yeah. After I launched it and was like, Oh my God. And it literally sat on a bookshelf for like, I don't know, eight or nine years because I couldn't get any interest on Hmm. it. And you know, my life had taken a turn with my normal career. Yeah. And I just didn't have time to to really focus on it. And then another good friend of mine said, why don't you self-publish it through Kindle? You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. cost you anything. And I just, I kind of did it. I was like, oh, okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah, why not? I'm never like this, oh, I want to share my story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So it sat there for nine years before so you self-published it? Wow. my bookshelf wow. office from 2005 until, yeah, until 2015. Oh, my God. Wow. Just right. kind of gestating and yeah, waiting for the world to be ready. Right. right. <laughs> if you read it, you like you know, I make reference to like um, what was that TV show, Grey's Anatomy? Oh right. <laughs> it just come out. Right. Biggest show ever. So like, and clearly, you know, I, I date. You know, every chapter has a, mm-hmm. a date and a location, so that that helps it too. But at the time, I didn't know that you know it would be sitting on a bookshelf for so many yeah. years. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's kind of fantastic, though. It's like a a, Hmm? well, it's just kind of fantastic, though. It's a perfectly preserved. Yeah, I mean, it's so great that you got it out when it was so fresh and so sort of raw. Yeah, because you couldn't you couldn't write it today. You couldn't go back and remember all that stuff. I I couldn't remember it, and I also wouldn't have been like I said. I wouldn't have been so honest. And I was so lucky at the time too that I I met this woman who I'm still friendly with, this editor, who was you know, more than happy to, to help me with it. And yeah. at the time, I mean, like... I went to some writer conferences. I tried to get an agent. I tried to get a publishing house to pick it up. And, you know, and I'm not saying it was because of James Fry's memoir, mm, right. but his memoir had already been out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the whole thing that half of it was fabricated right. out right when I was trying to, to kind of, you know, push mine. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but, um, you know, I've gotten some really great reviews on it from Amazon and a lot of really good feedback. And the most important thing is I'm getting emails from women that are reading it saying, yeah. hey, thanks so much. This was so helpful or you've been such an inspiration. And, you know, so like, yeah. that's the main reason I'm doing it. It's not for like the money or the fame part of that's it. That's so cool. Well, yeah. the, the excerpt on our on the site here since right now is like it paints this crazy picture of your childhood in, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Right. Growing up We're in Jersey, house in New Jersey. I grew up really in the right on, area, but yeah, yeah. 
and uh, just yeah, the, the vivid memories of your father and your mom and just right. the, your first drinking experience. I thought was yeah, you were like twelve or thirteen and went to that party and yeah, looked yeah, like right. seventeen and yeah, and it was it was, it was on it was on sixteen yeah and yeah. it was. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Not the book, but yeah. Isn't that funny? Which and, is phenomenal. I mean, it, re- it reads like that too. I just uh, <clears throat> like, I mean, it's so such a crystal clear moment yeah. of, of life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, the, and um, that rawness that you were talking about, I mean, I think that's what resonates most with people that are still struggling, who are still right. kind of in the grips mm-hmm. a little bit. Right. Is that unflinching, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. Exactly. Not sugar-coated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, can, can we back up? I mean, cause that, yeah. that does sort of take us back a bit. You're talking, that's, you know, an excerpt from your childhood. And, yeah. um, was that, uh, cause you do reference your, your parents in it and that I think in, in that excerpt, um, they're headed out like to a party where, yeah. was it something that, um, existed in your family? The, the substance issues that you recognized or was it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't recognize it until, you know, when I was a little older, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, I remember my sponsor asking me when I was doing my first step, when I was first getting sober, you know, when was the first time you remembered alcohol in your home? And I said, well, it's, it's always been there. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, like my dad would cut the grass with a bottle of beer, you know, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) he'd have a bottle of beer in the car. Like it was never like, Oh, what's this? It was just like, you know, you know, just like water. Um, so no, I mean, I grew up, you know, in that kind of household, um, with a very codependent mother who was like the greatest mom ever, the PTA Brownie troop leader mom. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, and it was just an environment that you just didn't know any, I just didn't know any different. But I do remember being like in eighth or ninth grade thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just like my dad. And um, and that was something that kind of scared me in a certain way. With, with uh, your drinking? Well, yeah, with my drinking, but more my personality. Uh, mm. More like feeling anxious and really moody. And, and, you know, my mom always used to say, you know, you were the most difficult child. I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and a younger sister. And she's like, you were always crying. You were mm. you always wanted me. Like, you were just, you know, they didn't really say it, but I was like the bratty, bitchy middle child. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I was out of the gate an alcoholic. I mean, when I was five, I ate a whole bottle of children's aspirin. Wow. And then... I got sick and I did it again like a week or two mm-hmm. later. Like, who does that? Yeah. yeah. Right? I, I don't oh, I know some people. people. <laughs> right? People in our like yeah. Right, right. Right? But so I'm pretty sure I, I knew I had some issues. I hmm. thought it was like anxiety or something. Yeah. But, but as soon as I found alcohol, though, it was like, oh, wow. Right. Okay. So, so that first night you threw up, but the, I mean, did you still know, like, oh, yeah, this is, there's something here to this? Well, it was like, okay, now I've arrived. Now I get it. Now yeah. I know why everyone, you know. And I have an older brother who was 16 at the time. Yeah. And of course, he was drinking with his friends. So it was like, I wanted to be cool. I wanted to fit in. And now I had figured out how to do all that. Yeah. And there was never any, there was no stop switch, you know. Even even with the two DUIs, there was never, I didn't want to get sober. I didn't come crawling into an AA meeting going, oh, God, I need to quit drinking. It was like, all right, I, I might as well check this out because I've got nothing else to lose. Yeah. That was my attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, like what are, tell, talk, take us through just some of, you know, college, professional career, all that stuff, just sort of the uh, highlights of your slow, long addiction into. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah the highlights. The you know. And, you know, um, so I actually didn't go to college. You did. I went to like a business school for a year after high school. Um it was kind of a tumultuous time. My parents were going through a divorce. Um, my brother was at college. My sister was, I think, going in the Marines or something. I don't know. So there was just a lot going on. And I knew I would fail out of college. And I didn't want to, like, piss off my, my parents. Because you so, drank too much. Or you just fail out because you were No, I knew I, was, I knew I was a partier. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, it, um, so I did that. And by 19, I'd met, you know, the first cocaine dealer. Because that's a big part of my story. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. And then that started the whole what I'd say, you know, series of events that led me to getting sober. So at 19, I really discovered that substance. And then, um, 
Yeah, and then I, I dated another one, and, and you know, so it was I. Those two things were the only two things that really made me feel normal. Yeah. You know, booze and drugs and yep. booze and cocaine. So, having those two things around all the time was super important to me. Um, but by the time I was like, you know, late twenties, I was I was working a lot in you know, kind of like secretarial positions, but. By you know thirty, I had already kind of moved into the industry I'm in now, which is recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to maintain it so I could hide it really well, mm-hmm. you know. And by thirty-two, I'd moved to San Diego. I left Philadelphia and moved to San Diego. And by then, it was on, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, being in California, you can get your drugs so much easier, and and they sell booze on Sundays, and you know, like so it opened <laughs> up this whole other world. Yeah. Um, but up until then, I, I I was what I used to think I was a recreational user, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I did that. You know, I kept that kind of routine for over twenty years, and yeah. I don't know how I yeah. I really don't know how I was able to get through in my life from a career standpoint and and hide it so well. But you know, I don't really know if I hid it that well because people say, oh no, we knew, but you know, nobody ever, but nobody ever told me. You know, my family all drinks; they still drink. Nobody's right. ever and like you have a problem so mm-hmm. it's difficult yeah so thursday friday saturday was that cocaine and then would you drink during the that week was cocaine. Or? i mean i was drinking pretty much five six days a week anyway but the thursday sometimes even wednesday i mean i would stay up and not even go to sleep and go right to work mm-hmm. just roll i yeah i would <laughs> i i'd have no problem going to work with like wet hair after a shower and Usually the people I worked with, either they weren't noticing or it was a, too big of an office or, you know, I got my work done, you know, but I remember by like two or three completely crashing, like, oh my God, I have to, you know, like I would almost be taking a nap in my office, mm-hmm. but it was, um, I really, I'm like, I look back on it now and it just seems so long ago, but mm-hmm. I don't know how I ever, you know, was able to maintain, but yeah, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday was kind of like, you know, balls to the wall, I'm going to get as much blow as I can and and stay up for days. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and so at that, so you you moved out to the West Coast, and that was sort of, in a sense, then you were isolated from family, right? Exactly. You were just okay. Um, and I was also at a point where I think I was like thirty-two then, yeah. and all my friends were like married and having kids, right. and, you know, and I was hanging out with people in their their twenties still. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't hanging out with my my peers by yeah. any means. No, you were still living the party lifestyle. Yeah. and I was like, when I was, yeah, I always say this, you know, at 37, I found myself still living my life the same way I was at 19. Right. Yeah, that's funny. Well, you always hear this, like you, you say, they say your emotional development stops when you start drinking. Right. And right. they say this all the time, which is a good excuse yeah. for why I act like a 12-year-old, right? Right. <laughs> I should be hitting puberty like any, any day, day now. now, right? Right, for sure. but, but it's so funny when when you're out there active, you just you are you still act exactly like you're 19. There's no reason for you to change. There's no reason for you to get wise. You're literally living for the weekend, and you just keep doing it over and over and over again, right? I, yeah, exactly. And exactly. it's like this, yeah, bad rerun. You can, you can pass yourself off in the adult world. Yeah, but it's it's an avoidance game almost. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. Well, and I was always searching for something like it, you know, I, I had like 27 geographics by the time I got sober. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was either, you know, I'm going to, I'll find this new boyfriend or this yeah. new car or this new job or, you know, this new girlfriend pack of friends. I always had different cliques of friends, some yeah. new that I drank and used and some didn't. And, you know, so I was always like the chameleon. Yeah. And You're always I, trying to like the next thing was going to bring you this hope or be the thing that, that fixed you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Isn't that crazy? And I, I think there's that's inherent with the disease. Like it just there's this baseline of seeking something. I don't know what it is. Filling right. the hole in your soul or whatever that is. But it's weird that I never did a geographic, but no, well, lots of people who tried that. I mean, right? I figured like you tried it. Yeah. I mean, I used to. I was doing the calculations one time, and it was like two a year. <laughs> would, yeah. You know, I'd be, I'd move from one place to another and then back to the place I just moved from and then somewhere else, you know, a completely different place. And for me, it was more, I mean, it was that, I always saw it. I used to always see it as the addiction protecting itself. You know, it was the first way I saw that when I got um, sober is that, you know, if 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 people catch on too much in one place, you got (laughs) to find it out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Um, that's crazy. And they never worked. No. No. 
no. Wherever you go, there you are. And yeah. Like, no, and I didn't realize, like, I didn't realize how bad of an alcoholic and, you know, whatever drug addict I was until I got sober. Yeah. yeah. No. And had you tried to get sober before you actually got sober? No, I, I kind of half-assed tried maybe a year before, like, um, I was living with this, my then boyfriend and, and he was, was he a just, coke dealer? Uh, well, no, this one wasn't, oh, no, this just was in San Diego. So this was, um, he was a he nice was boy bad as me and he, and I told him that I, I thought I had a problem and I wanted to try to get sober and, yeah. um, I, you know, went to an AA meeting and, or I, I drove up to an AA meeting in, uh, <laughs> Solana beach, California. And I pulled up to this like rec center and it was just a bunch of dudes on motorcycles and they just the way they looked scared mm. the crap out of me. So I just kind of kept driving. <laughs> you know? And um, and I told him that and he was just like, whatever. Like, because he even said to me, you're a pretty bad alcoholic. And I was like, really? Okay. You know, I don't have a motorcycle. <laughs> but it was like, it must have been a really bad night or weekend or whatever. But and then I didn't know. So I would try on my own for like two or three days. But then, you know, it would be a Wednesday or... Mm-hmm. Or I would, I was very easily influenced. So, yeah, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I was trying, but I wasn't really trying, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. And then I got that DUI. And the so it was the second DUI that kind of put you into so the program. The second DUI that definitely made me kind of rethink my life. But, but more so, like I said, I wasn't like, oh, I need to get sober. Yeah. I was like, well, how do I get out of this? And what do I mm-hmm. need to do? And my attorney was like, well, you should go get these. Court, you know, go get a court card signed. So when we go to court, yeah. we can show that you're trying to change your lifestyle. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Well, it took me six <laughs> weeks to still get to a meeting. It wasn't like I ran out the next day. That's funny. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. your first meeting? I do. Yeah. I do. It was at a place in Encinitas called Second Street. So okay. it was a clubhouse and an area where I would say I, you know, that was the clubhouse where I got sober at. I mean, I didn't go to treatment because I didn't want anybody in my family or anybody I worked with at the time to know. And honestly, I didn't think treatment was an option for me. I thought you had to be like a really bad heroin addict or like somebody famous in Hollywood. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of alcoholics that went to treatment. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But again, I didn't surround. I surrounded myself with people that drank and used just as bad as I did. So there was no recovery happening around me whatsoever. Right. Yeah, I went to my first meeting and I was scared to death and I sat in the back of the room and I had my head down the whole time, mm-hmm. but I could relate to what everybody shared and that kind of scared me. That's when I had like the oh shits, you yeah. know, yeah. And I ran out of that meeting and I went home and I drank two bottles of wine yeah. wow. and the next day I had to fly back east. It was my, my niece's first Holy Communion and I was her godmother, you know, and so I had to fly back east for this family event for five days and I drank the whole five days. Yeah. I was there and I had kind of my moment of clarity during that week yeah. where I had said to my, my best friend from like eighth grade was with me and I was crying and you know, my life's so shitty. And I said, you know, everything bad that's ever happened to me in my life is from drinking and drugging. I might as well go back and give this sobriety thing a hmm. shot. I've got nothing to lose. Like mm-hmm. that was my whole mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know what happened, but two days later I got on a plane and I usually drank on planes and for whatever reason I said no. And the next day I went to this meeting in Carlsbad. It was like this huge speaker meeting and I bought a big book and um, hmm. and I saw a woman I used to work with there, which at first I turned like yeah. walked away from her because I was embarrassed. But then I was like, well, no, she's here too. Like, you know, <laughs> one of those like... We can be embarrassed yeah. together. Yeah. But there was a speaker, She's she was kind of a circuit speaker in San Diego, her name was French Lynn, and she spoke and she shared her story and I related to everything she said and like that was it for me. I was like, all right, I'm here. That's like, it. Let's, let's do this. What do I need to do? Wow. Okay. So that was it. And is that your sobriety date? So, yeah. So May 11th, 2004. Oh, and, May 11th. Yeah, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. But yeah. it was more like... I didn't, and I think for me, I was so naive to the program and, and anything about getting sober, being in recovery, that I just did what all the women told me to do. I didn't question anything, yeah. you know, and I think that's what really saved me, kind of having that ignorance of not knowing any different yep. and just seeing these. And I got sober with like, you know, four or five girls and they were all like, you know, around the same age as me. A couple of them were super career minded. They were all gorgeous. Like it was kind of like, okay, this is cool. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, 
like it wasn't i don't want to say it wasn't hard because it was i mean yeah. there was a lot of crying and just you know i was all over the map emotionally mm -hmm. at least for the first year but totally. it was it was easier because i was doing it with other people mm -hmm. you know and we were kind of going through all the same stuff together so um and i wasn't around my family i didn't feel you know so that was a lot easier and and um and i just was able to kind of yeah, just kind of go with the flow, yeah. you know? I, th I always think it's amazing when you hear these stories how you're so obsessed with drinking, you know, the moment before this moment of clarity or whatever, that plane ride happened, mm. and then all of a sudden it's gone, you know? And whatever that is, whatever, you know, a higher power or a moment of clarity or just something that hits you where your perspective totally changes and you're able to... to like get rid of that mental obsession, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and exactly. how that happens for, it happens in so many different ways for so many different yeah. people. Um, yeah, it's just, it's and, so crazy. And you, you said it yourself, Nancy, that you had nothing to lose. You yeah. know, nothing right. like when you just, when you're out of ideas, yeah. when you're out of angles, yeah. you're like, I'm just, I'm just going to give it a shot. Yeah. You know, like, right. Right. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But it's really interesting because I also think like getting in the right meeting is a huge thing. Finding people you can relate to, yeah, you know, because we've all been to meetings that it, I've been in lots of weeks. Like if that was my first meeting, I might not have made it, mm -hmm. you know. Oh, absolutely. And you get kind of get lucky that way, right? I, I feel like I'm so lucky and so blessed. Like, you know, relapse has not been part of my story. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I got this gift pretty early on without questioning things like you know where i got sober you did the steps in your first year and when yeah. you were done you did them again wow. yeah yeah mm -hmm. so by the time i left san diego at five and a half years sober i think i went through the steps like six times with six different women yeah that's and awesome that is awesome great foundation and i honestly i'm very biased to, to north county san diego because i haven't found a fellowship as strong um from a recovery standpoint you know since i left california hmm. um and I've lived, you know, Philly, we lived in Baltimore, we're now down in Florida. So I've been kind of, you know, all over, but of course I'm, I'm pretty biased to yeah. where sure. I get sober, we, but I think most people are, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I got sober my first year, I did in New Smyrna Beach. Oh. Uh, yeah, which isn't far from yeah. you. And the, yeah, I love Florida because there's loads of old people there right. with <laughs> lots of sobriety. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, my sponsor now has like 25 years. Yeah. He's hardcore and yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, Florida's, you know, I have to say Florida's pretty close to, to California, but there's just so much recovery in, in South Florida on both coasts. Yeah. So interesting. It yeah. makes it pretty easy. That's cool. We've, we've heard that a lot recently. Yeah. A couple does, of guests have said that South Florida is a hotbed. Yeah. Uh, John and Adrian, um, I, I don't know Florida well enough to know yeah. where everybody is but in is relation, it. but, um, I think it's more prominent on the other coast, Delray and gotcha. Lauderdale okay. and that area. I mean, where I'm at over here, you know, in Naples, south of Fort Myers. It's mm -hmm. it's prominent here, but there's not as many recovery homes and treatment centers as there are on the other side. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. See, if, yeah. for the longest time, if you listen to the last episode, we talked a little bit about it. I associated Florida with the opposite of sobriety and recovery, with just being yeah. batshit crazy fucked yeah. up. Because and, that was my only experience with it. Yeah. Was, right. uh, yeah, just... Spring break. <laughs> well, no, my sister lived in South Beach. and oh, right. yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I went to visit her for two weeks, and it was the longest two weeks of my using life. It was just <laughs> absolutely... Barely escaped there. That in your story, yeah. Chris. It yeah, was just insane. Funny. So it's like whenever people talk about it as a recovery mecca, I'm yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Well, it's it almost seems to me like the places that are renowned for that That's crazy partying, they the pendulum course, swings the other right. way, and it kind of makes its own gravy. You know, you're it's right. like the sobriety community <laughs> it <gravy>. becomes <laughs> as you're right. That totally makes yeah, sense. Of course, I'm yeah. sure there are great meetings in Vegas. That's Probably <laughs> great GA meetings, right? Probably the best gamblers anonymous meetings in the world. Um, okay, so the other thing I noticed was you you didn't fight it when you got it. I, we we always hear like I fought it. I got I had to go to AA. You know, went there, but it seems like you did not. You went in mm. and just did everything they tell you, which and is I the total. Before I got to that first meeting, yeah. I was like, ugh. But then when I got there, and then when it's just like I I was kind of like, and it sounds so cliche, but people are like, I found my home. Like hmm. they get me. I thought I was the only person who thought that way. I thought I was the only person who did this stuff. Like, yeah. 
as soon as you hear other people sharing your story, you're like, mm. oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Th these are my people. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I, yeah, I didn't fight it really. Yeah. That's well, it good. sounds like you've been laying some groundwork. I mean, you, you talk about journaling beforehand, Yeah. Right. which I mean, maybe the, I don't know. I don't know how common that would be, but it mm -hmm. sounds like you're, you're, you're documenting the issues you're having in a sense, right? Yeah. yeah no, I knew uh, I had, I mean, I knew I had a problem for years. I just yeah. didn't care. Yeah. Said I surrounded myself with people worse than right. me, so it would make yeah. me feel better. But I, um, yeah, I, I knew I had issues, and I think documenting it like a year before I got sober was, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how that happened, but it just, you know, yeah. I think because I was al alone a lot at night, so yeah. I had nothing but, you know, time yeah. on my hands. So I'd just be drinking and sometimes doing blow on my own and just be banging away on my computer, mm. complaining about whatever I was complaining about. That's awesome. Yeah. That's romantic almost. Right. <laughs> <It is. laughs> Very Bukowski. Yeah. It is. That's so funny. So when did, so how long were you sober before you started Last Call? Like when you really started it? Like I'm going to write this thing. So. A couple years? The book? Yeah. 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 So I was, I mean, I, I started writing it before I got sober. And then as I was getting sober, I was writing it. Oh, okay. Right. And did you know that's what you were writing? No, I didn't know that I was, I, I think maybe a few months in, I started saying, well, wait, why don't I start really documenting dates and, and you know, going back to, let's start at the beginning when I first got drunk. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I think I went back then and, and then kind of compiled this, what I just called it a manuscript. Yeah. Like I said, I, I took this course and I met this woman and then I just asked her, like, what do you think of this? Does yeah. it have any legs to it and she's like most definitely so then i really started you know writing it more that's cool so i was i was under a year sober when i was wow i think that's crazy the discipline to write like that under years yeah. but that's cool but i it's funny because that pink cloud energy a lot of people get that right mm -hmm. yeah like I, mean, you know, I had a pink cloud i want to say my first i hate to say it my first few years i mean the, the, the most good. challenging thing i dealt with before i left san diego was you know like my my first breakup sober like that was mm -hmm. devastating mm -hmm. looking back now it was it's nothing but yeah. at the time it seemed yeah like looking back now you're like really um you know i didn't have like these crazy life things that I, that happened but as soon as i moved back to philadelphia you know life got lifey and stuff happened with my family that was really difficult. So I was grateful I had those five mm. years of the strong, mm -hmm. you know, foundation of recovery. Mm -hmm. And are you, you're the first, and it sounds like you're the way, an only person in recovery? In my family? In your family? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and obviously they're all aware of it now. And They're, oh yeah, I mean, they're aware of it. They're supportive, you know, they're, they're as supportive as they can be. Mm. Um, they're not, they're not like asking me how my sobriety is doing or how my right. meetings are, and I'm pretty sure they they don't share certain things with me because I, you know, I think they're worried that I'll judge them. They mm -hmm. never said that. It's just the feeling I get because, like I said, they all still drink. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, getting and being sober isn't part of their lifestyle, right. nor should it be. You know, but like I think I write about it in my book. I do that. The first sober family event I was at was. I think I was six months sober and my brother was getting married. So there was this big family engagement party and I flew home for it. And it was like the hardest thing I ever had to do because I was just so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And I was so sequestered with my sober right. yeah. and throw me around my family. And it was, yeah, I think I, I just remember like leaving and smoking and crying and calling sober people. And it was hard, but you know, that's, that's kind of your first year, right? You have all yeah. those. Totally. Yeah. And, and I'm listening to you talk about your first year. It is, I, it, mine was exactly like, there's just all these weird emotions that you had no, mm -hmm. nothing, you don't even know what to do with them. Right. It's just like bleh, everywhere. Like definitely you're just stuffing them and drinking them away. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, and I don't know. And, they, and you look back on it, you're like, it was all silly stuff. But man, it felt really real or something, it, right? Well, I think it is really real. I yeah, think I mean, yeah, you're right. Here is, is like kind of the most important when you're getting sober, you yeah. know? Yeah. But well, yeah, it is really real. And now it's like, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Well, I know. I mean, really, and what it is, it's it's learning how to sort of have appropriate emotional reactions yeah. to things, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of like saying, well, I'll drink because I'm happy. I'll drink because I'm sad. Yeah. I'll drink because I'm angry. I'll drink, yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, you have to, you have to feel it, right? Right. Getting um, to know yourself again. Getting yeah. Getting to know, or for the first time, getting to know yourself. Yeah. You know, I remember thinking, 
wow, do I like this? Right. Do I like this? I like this. You know, like I, <laughs> discovering all these preferences that I didn't even know were there. Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah, most definitely. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I had to go to a, a wedding about six months sober. And yeah, I, I can totally re- relate to that sort of an event of that magnitude sober <laughs> that early on is just misery especially when it's before iphones and then you had to go outside and smoke with nothing to do but smoke <laughs> and then i dragged my best friend from from high school with me yeah. so and that was the engagement party and then the wedding was i was nine months sober and the wedding was in chicago yeah. so i um and it was kind of funny my my dad was so proud of me um because i you know he he's now says to me I'm, i feel guilty i gave you my disease you know mm. which which is kind of nice that's you know his way of, of I guess recognizing it um, mm. and living through you know my sobriety for himself, but Interesting. he told like almost everybody at the wedding that I was sober in AA and in AA, yeah. not realizing that you're not supposed to do that. Dad, like, what are you doing? There's a yeah. yeah. I'd like to make a I'm toast. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. So like, my aunt would come up to me, like people. I was like just blown away that they're like, I'm so proud of you for your being sober. I'm like, what the hell? Like, it was like oh my God, really? Like everybody knew and it was, it was yeah. so awkward. Yeah. So did you get the feeling that your whole family knew you were an alcoholic except for you? Well, yeah. Like even when I got sober, I remember like calling my sister like yelling at her. I'm like, why didn't you tell me I was so fucked up? And she's like, I tried to. And, you know, and I'm just like, well, nobody really pulled me aside, you know? Um, <laughs> But again, I moved away and I, I yeah, right. did a lot of stuff from them and I didn't let them know a lot of things that were going on. And the last year of my drinking, though, I was around them a lot more because I moved back to, to Pennsylvania for like 10 months and it was the worst 10 months of my life. And, you know, I'd be at like some skanky bar with some skanky drug dealer and my brother would walk in and I'd be I wouldn't even be mortified. I'd yeah. just be like, hey, what's up? Did you meet, you know, I don't even know the guy's name, Vinny or whatever. Yeah, Vinny. I like Vinny. I'll go with Vinny. With yeah. Him, you know, like and now looking back, like, oh, my God. <laughs> 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 horrible. Horrible. Yeah. That's funny. So yeah. so what's your, uh, what's your routine like now? What's your program today? Like, what are you? Yeah. So, you know, I get up. I, I still have this great job where I get to work from home. So. That's good. What yeah. kind of recruiter are you? I'm actually a life sciences recruiter. I've nice. been in the pharmaceutical sector since 95. Okay. Yeah. That's so, good. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's always a busy industry, right? Mm-hmm. Wanting for, for anything. Um, so I get up and I kind of do my morning routine, which is usually I, I do, you know, I read from one of my meditation or prayer books or even an AA literature. I do some maybe five, 10 minutes of meditation at the most. Um, then I, you know, hang out with my dog for a little bit, and then I start my day. Um, but I usually go to, I don't know, three or four meetings a week. I sponsor somebody, so I meet with her usually every week. I call my sponsor a couple times a week. Good. Um, I try to be of service. And then, honestly, I spend a lot of time writing and doing stuff for my blog and, you know, my book and stuff like that. But I really do that more on the side or at night or on the weekends because mm-hmm. my my real career is, is pretty demanding. So, Mm -hmm. um, but no, I mean, I'm still pretty, you know, entrenched in the, what I'd say the AA environment, but I don't, you know, God, my first couple of years, I went to a meeting every single day, first three or four years. And now it's, you know, maybe four or five a week, but even that sometimes is a little much. And I also go to Al-Anon too, because I married someone in the program. So I definitely need Al-Anon. Really? Did you yeah. guys meet in the rooms? So, yeah. So when I left San Diego in 2010, um, I moved in with my mom who was ill, which was the main reason for coming back home. And I met him at a meeting, um, which became my home group. And um, yeah, hmm. yeah. I met yeah. him in a meeting. And it was kind of funny because at the time, you know, my friends in California were like, you're going to meet a guy back there and you know, they're more committing The people back East commit more and people in California don't, you'll probably meet your husband. And I was like, Oh hmm. God, no, I don't want to do that. You know? Mm-hmm. And literally within like two months, this guy and I started dating and we got married 18 months later. Nice. Wow. 
So that's yeah, awesome. but you know, it's it's always one of those things where it's like, yeah, we both have our own programs. It's really difficult though for me to keep my mouth shut sometimes. Right. I'm in me. So. <laughs> like, God damn, you need to go to a meeting. So has Alanon given you a perspective of your disease and his disease? Like, how's that helped? Yeah, well, it's helped also with my family. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. I've had a lot of Alanon stuff that that's come up. Um, right. Like I said, when I moved back east, there was a lot of family stuff that happened, but. So Al-Anon has been a huge help for that. Um, and it's just, it's, it's taught me to really mind my own business and keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's, that's kind of one of the, the mantras that they teach you there. Mind your own business and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Catchy. Of stuff that I was saying for the first few years. Yeah. It, all, it, was, it was like spinning my wheels, you know? Yeah. It was almost like I was doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all a control thing, right? Like you're exactly. trying to control all- something that you can't control. Right. Right. That's what I needed a yeah. couple years ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And now I'm just in much more acceptance and kind of just, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, it is, and not try to stress out about it, which doesn't happen all the time, but sure. yeah. it's a lot easier than it was. <sighs> all right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, your your story, you know, I would. It's not textbook. It's like uh, it's like storybook. I mean, you did everything right. All the tenants, all the tenants of AA. You yeah, know, nice job. I mean, honestly, it's like you have to yeah. be ready. You have to. That. I wouldn't say that, but that's just what I'm telling you. Well, the condensed version. Yeah, the Cliff yeah. Notes, the Reader's yeah. Digest yeah. version. Yeah. yeah. Reader's Digest version is is the good version. That's good. And, and hey, you guys can can answer this. And when when we when people. When the notion of service comes up, uh-huh. me as the outsider, what is there a definition? Is there uh, are, are there specific things that 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 comprise the good being this. of service? Yes. What does that mean? Explain yeah. it to the outsider. Okay. Yeah, I think for me it means more, and it doesn't have to be, you know, just people in AA. It's, right. it's anybody. It's it's. It's getting out of myself and mm-hmm. seeing what I can do to help the next person, gotcha. whether or not it's a family member, somebody at a meeting, um, my neighbor, a girlfriend, you know, my husband, whoever. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm not focused on me and I'm doing whatever I can to help somebody else and get out of myself, I think that's being of service. Yeah, which sounds totally. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. It's yeah. not so. It's not like a. Yeah, but that. that I mean that. I think that's yeah, like we're, we're so, service. Yeah, self-centered when we get in here. Right. And most human beings are. You think yourself right. all the time. It's the only perspective you have. But I think alcoholics are extremely selfish. Selfish. Right? <laughs> and I, so I think right when you get in, like, the, yeah, they, that they start this mantra of getting out of yourself will make your problems seem mm-hmm. less. You'll have a new perspective, and it's easier to get sober that way. Yeah. But I think, like, like when you first get in, you're, when you're super new, they're like, come make coffee because right. then you'll feel like you got to show up to that meeting and make coffee. Like, it's right. tricks. It's not about generating empathy at that point. It's more like, are you willing to follow directions? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can, can yeah. you be you here? You don't really know. You're kind of like, I, a woman asked me like two weeks over. She's like, so do you have a commitment yet? I'm like, for yeah. what? What are you talking about? Like, I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. I like making coffee. Yeah. Or cleaning up the ashtrays or stacking okay. the chairs or putting away the big books or yeah, whatever even that sharing is. a meeting, you know. But that's how I got to my first meetings, like when I when I they said, You're making coffee and I was like, Fuck, all right. But then I, <laughs> I every time I'd be like, I gotta go make coffee. I'd go to the meeting. I was like, I'm not right. letting the guys down. Yeah, <laughs> they I won't have any coffee. Sobriety, but I don't think I knew then that it was keeping me sober. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, these people are depending on me. I better go. I better go bring that literature, and I better make sure That's I'm making the coffee. And yeah. yeah, I don't. I didn't get it though. Yeah. So from your perspective, and I ask you, Nancy, because um, these guys don't spend as much time uh, on social media in this right as yeah. aspect, or yeah, as, as uh, you and I do. It's sort of being there available and, and sharing on social media. Is that, would, would you call that being of service? I totally would okay. call being of service. I didn't yeah. even really think of that because I think it's such a separate part of my right. recovery. You know what I mean? Um, but I definitely think, you know, I'm writing for a couple of publications mm. now every month. And um, I definitely think sharing your experience right. um, mm-hmm. with with that community right. is, is hugely being of service. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely yeah. think so. I just didn't know what if yeah. there was a definition, a, an established definition within yeah. AA and uh, within the 12 steps that um, differed from what my 
opinion might be. Yeah, I'm um, sure the AA definition is a little different. Because, and so do you think you've, since you've been doing this, right, because you didn't go through this program, right. had this thing, but now it's almost like when you had to start this thing, you had to start this thing for some reason, right? right? It was just right, like this right. thing. But it's this is what it is for you. Like, do you, do you find yourself with not self-obsessing or do you feel like that service has helped your serenity and all that stuff? Do you know what I'm saying? I, I think, so, you know, somebody wrote me that uh, just, be, you know, you didn't go through the programs, but, you know, I laugh when you, because you say and do things that yeah. are of the program in yeah. a sense. Um, which, is, you know, I think, I think it's because the program has these these sort of fundamental truisms yeah. Yeah. about sobriety right. and recovery that, you know, um, with with just a small, you know, a certain amount of common sense, you're going to get there if you're maintaining successfully your sobriety and your recovery, right? Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it it does um, it it. I believe that um, it's it's the you have to give it away to keep it. Yeah. In effect, yeah. is for me, yes. is what I've found because I needed it yeah. at the time I started doing it. Yeah. And um, and it does feel good to, and not, this is why I was going to say, to be of service in that way. Yeah. And it's right now that's how I am of service, um, right. I think. so. It's almost like well, a 12-step contact high. Oh, for right. people that are not in AA. That, right. you know, like, and I know a couple of you guys are not, you know, quote unquote, in, in the 12-step or in the rooms, I should say. Just Chris. I think just me. Whatever, whatever makes it work for you. Like, yeah. Go at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't want to feel like sometimes I think people think I'm like this big AA like yeah. poster child, and it's it's yeah. that's just what worked for me. That's yeah. just what I stumbled into. Right. And what I was going to say in regards to you though is you. I mean, you do a significant amount online also, and with all the the writing and and um, mm-hmm. your, your guest posting and um, and also uh, you went to uh, you went to um, innovations and recovery in, in San Diego, right? I did, yeah. And, you know, I am sorry we missed you there. It was in the cards at one point, but then uh, just didn't make sense for us. Um, do you, other than Unite to Face Addiction, is that the only thing like that you've traveled for? Or do you make a point to go to those sorts of... I mean, I go to local things here. Okay. Like I go to the Heroes in Recovery, you right. know, K thing in Lauderdale. Um, but but that was kind of twofold, right? That was a reason for us to go to San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just go good. Like two or three times a year. Oh, anyway. Okay. Right. And um, you know, Anna David, who I know you know, right. um, kind of reached out to me and said, "Hey, you want to meet up and do this? This could be fun together." And I was like, "Well, sure." You know. How um, was it? It was it was really cool. I mean, it was definitely more for people in you know. But I'd say the treatment center, right. mm-hmm. you know, sober living home, and but there was also different things there too. You know, like the new breathalyzer, or okay. you know, other the new sober app, or you right. know. So so it was it was interesting. For, I mean, it was huge, you know. Right. But um, it was it it wasn't nothing was like, you know, unite to right. face addiction in October. Nothing was like that. Yeah. yeah kind of like the pinnacle, I think, of, of what I'd say, this, the sober conferences I've been to. But, um, you know, it was interesting. It was informative. We had a good time yeah. um, and, and got to meet some really cool people, you know. But I only went for like a day and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah and I think that was ultimately was sort of the deciding thing. Is it, it just felt like so heavily industry-focused yeah, that industry focused. Um, I wasn't sure. I, yeah, I couldn't exactly. figure out what we'd get right. from it. Um right. But uh, and then you you actually wrote you wrote the after party recap didn't you? I did. Yeah, cool. And Anna, it's like, well, since you're meeting me here, why don't you write for it too? I'm like, yeah. oh, sure, okay. You know? <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, I did. Um, I did do that. Yeah, and that, that was uh, once I was out. I'm like, I wish we'd gone. So we could have been in that recap. But <laughs> yeah, no, it was really cool because I you know I got to meet some really interesting people. And, right. Yeah, no, yeah. it sounds like it. it. Sounds like there were some a lot of people. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, um, it 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 took a while to to make this happen, but I'm so glad that you uh, oh, me too. you so joined us. Feeling better. I know it was a few months ago, Chris. Oh yeah, you were sick last time. Yeah, yeah, I was. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm just like I said, I'm trying to you know juggle this whole booking thing and and yeah. make it all work. Um, but so thanks for your patience and thanks for joining us now. And yeah, let us know. Uh, if you if you find out something worth traveling to and, and keep us posted because we're we're definitely looking yeah, for we our, need a road trip we were going to go to Austin and something right 
Austin in November is... Is that a lock? That's an, the agnostic. That's agnostics. A, it, that's the WAFTIAC. We agnostics and free thinkers in AA. Oh, man. How do you not conference, that? Second annual conference. Dang. The WAFTIAC. Oh. That's in Austin. Austin. That's in Austin, cool. which, you know. Yeah. But yeah, let, let us know if you. Yeah. And vice versa, let me know. Okay. I feel like I'm the last to know. I mean, I, somebody contacted me about the innovations and recovery thing. So, okay. um, yeah, I'm always up for anything. All right. All righty. Well, hey, um, yeah, it was great. It was great talking to yeah, you. Yeah, it was and, awesome, yeah. guys. Thanks so much. Right. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, um, you helped me just as much as hopefully I helped you guys. So it was great. Absolutely. Well, thank you. All right, cool. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, right, Nancy. Thanks, Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye, you too. Bye.